Come with us on a journey into the unknown, the unexplained, and the unbelievable. We will test your senses and challenge your beliefs. A world where science and religion clash. Or do they? You will meet real people and hear real stories, but you will not believe. You will witness strange sights and hear strange sounds, but you will not believe. This is the New England Ghost Project. Welcome to the Good evening, everyone, and welcome to another edition of Ghost Chronicles International. I am Ron Kolick, your host, the gatekeeper of the realm of the unknown, the unexplained, and the unbelievable New England's own Van Helsing. And with me, all the way across the pond in the land of the Red Dragon, is the Wall Street Journal's gold standard in ghost hunting, the most honorable Stephen Parsons. Hey, how are you? Uh, just terrific. I'm, I'm glad you're terrific. I'm terrific, I, too. I don't see our guest, though. Uh, well, he says that he hasn't had a request from Toggynet, so I'm at the process of just trying to add in. But Skype's uh. changed, and I can't find the button on Skype. <laughs> <laughs> um, if I press something, I might disappear. Um, oh, that's... So, what's... Yeah, what's sh- should, I pr- should I press this button? You know what? Let's try it. Everyone get ready. Let's see what happens. Two, one. Yeah. So? All right. I have no idea. So I don't see anybody. I don't... Well, Steve's still there, but he's not talking, so he's uh, evidently muted himself, probably. But anyways, exciting things coming up, of course, is uh, Spirit Quest. Less than two weeks. I heard a noise. He's back. I'm back, but... I can call him, but I don't know how this new Skype. I can't find the add button. Add button. Ah, hang on. There we go. Does that work? Yes, it works. Sort of. (laughs) Well, nothing's happened. Yeah, there he is. That's that's spooky. That's really spooky, isn't it? (laughs) Yeah. Is that him? Uh, No. Yeah. Anyway. There we go. Good evening, Ron. How are you? Welcome to Heatwave Britain. Oh, you got heat over there? Yeah, it's as hot over here as it is over there. It's, it's nice here. It's only in the 70s. It's beautiful. Oh, it's actually warmer than over here. Oh. How cool is that? Hey, we have a guest. Um, yeah, so I hope we have a guest. <coughs> he's not I, I on. Know. He's not on. I can tell that right away. He anyway. Yeah, yeah oh, well. We'll try and add him in then, then. All right. We've already wasted three minutes of the show. <laughs> well, fooling around just, with technical goobly-gooping and just, uh, whatever. Just, so, anyways, this out. crazy ah. stuff going on, of course, is uh, Spirit Quest, which I'm really excited about because uh, this is another look at the paranormal we don't normally see, uh, which is the religious side a little bit, angels and demons. But unlike uh, just a strictly academic uh, SPR conference or an SAP conference or whatever the heck it is. This is an exciting, fun time where we uh, do all kinds of cool and exciting things like um, searching for lost relics by following. You become a symbologist. Yes, it's easy for you to say. And look for lost relics. Uh, There's great presentations by 
some of the top names in the paranormal, like Mr. Stephen Parsons, all the way over the, from the UK. He'll be here, and he'll be doing one on exorcisms and battlefield angels. Mm. I, myself, have got to, a great one, which I am really excited about doing, and that, of course, is the Shroud of Turin. And uh, it's it's always been I've always been fascinated by it. So now is the time for me to show off my fascination. And uh, anyway, well, yeah, I, I, this is a new facet. I didn't know you had a fascination with the uh, the Holy Shroud of Turin. I like all things that are kind of like uh, you know that we just I guess we just can't prove one way or another things that have uh, uh, mysteries. So that's the thing that I like. I like that. Actually, um, back in my nursing days, I worked at the St. John's Hospice uh, upon the Wirral, which uh, was the location, a year or so before I worked there, of another um, shroud that, took, that, that, that happened. This, was, this took place with a... I can't remember all the details. I'll try and Google it rapidly during the break. Mm-hmm. But um, <clears throat> this was a gentleman who was terminally ill in the hospice. And after he passed, he, he also imprinted himself into the bed linen. Um, really? Yes, he did. And it, it caused quite... Because it, it, it did look very like the Shroud of Turin. Really? It absolutely did. And I'm, I'm just trying I've to never heard of this before. Um, <clears throat> it was quite famous. Um, but... I, I guess it's kind of faded, but there is also a third item. Isn't there? Isn't there like a face cloth or something? Yeah, that's, that went that's over? totally different, right? It's it's the uh, yeah the the burial, which is, by the way, it's which is one that has a lot of documentation. Unlike the shroud, which is a little bit of a mystery, the documentation on the face cloth is far clearer, and uh, that. I believe it's in some place in Spain, if I remember. I, I, I off the you know the cuff, I can't really tell you, but uh, yeah, it's intriguing stuff. And 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 you know the interesting thing too, of course, is is part of part of my presentation. What so the, the joys of technology. <laughs> yeah. What the hell was, was that? It was a ghost, um, a ghostly guest. Mm. I mean, the ghost has now wandered in the room. There you go. So um, our guest tonight, at long last, due to the, the vagaries of Skype technology, is... It definitely needs a new, new uh, Skype picture, by the way. Who? Yeah. <laughs> no, that's current. That's quite, no, that's quite recent. He, he looked right. like that on Saturday. I'm just saying he needs a new one. That's all I'm saying. A new one. Get a new one, then. There you go. Uh, Chris, good evening. Um, um, we we obviously met on Saturday. I know who you are. Ron won't, so, and of course because well, this is a surprise. <laughs> because we're st- because we're streaming as far as Antarctica. Um, do you want to give people a basic rundown? Because I could just introduce you as a paranormal explorer and commentator, but I think I, that would be doing you a a disservice. Okay, thank you very much for that uh, introduction, there, Steve. So I guess uh, who am I? And what do I do? I, I kind of investigate the curious and an interest in the. Uh, Paranormal, the esoteric, and the uh, the occult, probably for as long as I can remember. Had interest in uh, archaeology and mysteries, that kind of thing, since I was like a teenager. And I've, um, I know I'm a researcher and a writer of the curious. I would say I, I was a paranormal investigator. I would, I would perhaps put that as a, a phrase. Uh, I obviously began looking at the uh, the strange, weird, and the wonderful uh, as an investigation uh, medium. I guess around 2006, 2007. But I came quite quickly to the point of view where I was like, I wasn't quite sure 
Um, what was really going on in the paranormal community? I wasn't quite sure who I needed to talk to, what I needed to do. I, I was trying to investigate things in a, in a serious kind of sense and trying to create uh, data databases of what I was collecting. And then I, I met uh, Ian um, from Mysterious um, England and Ireland, and he says, oh, I have to start submit my stuff to him. So I was doing that, and I kind of created a, a paranormal network within like, Nottingham and the East Midlands of uh, different groups and individuals who had things to share. We were trying to create a collaborative database, and it was like, okay, so we've got all this. Now what do we do? And then I, I kind of came across ASAP, and it was like, how come I didn't know about these guys beforehand? Mm. So I yeah. just then off. how come you didn't know about them beforehand? <laughs> it, it's a very good point of view. I, I guess I just uh, perhaps I didn't look seriously enough at the world of the paranormal. I guess that, you know, when you... It's 2007, I guess, you know, most audio and stuff is on TV and all that kind of stuff is going on. And you generally find when you typed paranormal or ghost to unexplained or mysteries into the world of, like, Google or whatever, you generally only found, like, your local paranormal groups and not really much of the the, the serious academic interests, such as, like, the Society of Psychical Research uh, and ASAP and all the other, other organizations that are out there. So when I came across them, it was like, you know, I had to become a member, and then obviously that's what I've uh, done since, really. And I've kind of I've took a step back from actual actively investigating uh, people's mm -hmm. houses kind of thing. Because I think ethically there's, there's something wrong with it. Uh, I've gone on to make, become a, a filmmaker and a, a bit of a commentator on kind of the strange things that happen in the world. Yeah, you, you, you're a, a regular sort of um, commentator. I actually described you, I think, earlier as a paranormal explorer uh, rather than an investigator. That's, that's probably a fair way of putting it. Cause I, yeah. I, I guess so, exploring curious is a, is a good way to put it. Yeah. I actually have a, like a really important. Speaking question. of curious, really, really important question. And that, really that important question. What? What? I'll be at first. Mm, how was Mr. Parsons' presentation at the ASAP conference? I, I heard it was. No, a no, he didn't do one. Oh, he didn't. <laughs> no. Ah, very no. good. Very good. Very I was good. exempted. I was exempted this year. There were two. What what really happened is there were so many great speakers that they felt that I would be unable to compete, and so they said yeah, you can just sit quietly. At so the presentation you did for them went nowhere. Um, no, I didn't do a presentation. I know. I, a, I was part of a panel discussion. Oh, oh, that's what all those people were sitting around doing nothing about. Yeah, that's, that's a panel discussion. Oh, that's a that's uh yeah, that's that's interesting. Well, they they're quite they they're um, they're actually good fun because they're a bit like doing this radio show Yeah, but the, you can do that in the pub. Why do you have to do it at a conference? Uh because people generally sit, you know, that that gives people an opportunity to ask their own questions and to uh, oh. it becomes more of a discussion format, uh, more oh. of an open forum and allows people to it's not just you know, ask a question and the panel will answer. It sort of bounces back and forth. And, of course, the panel is selected so that they hopefully don't always agree with one another. Yeah, um, I mean, who and, else was on the panel, Steve? There was there was uh, Kev. Yes. Yeah. 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 I, I didn't pick the panel. I did notice there was a lot of agreement amongst the panel. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Which was which um, doesn't make for, for the best audience um, uh, entertainment. Right. Uh, but... You see, you, you're dealing with an organisation like ASAP, which is the Association for the Scientific Study of Anomalous Phenomena. And generally, although it has a very broad remit, it covers everything from cryptozoology to earth mysteries, ufology, ghosts, of course. Yeah. Mm -hmm. it, 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 it does tend to... Should, should cryptozoology be considered paranormal, though? 
Why not? Um, well, Why not? no, no. But then ASAP made a terrible mistake so- several years ago, I, I believe, um, yeah. when they set themselves up as the um, government-recognised body, official body, for professional investigators and uh, professional paranormal investigators, and they threw the whole lot into into that category. Mm-hmm. Uh, and yet, this this idea that you can have professional investigators, accredited professional investigators, I think is Ooh, going out like into that. very. Uh, no, I think it's going out into very thin and very dangerous ice. Mm. Yeah, I guess that's always been the discussion, really, hasn't it? I mean, uh, what is considered okay? Who, who vets people? You know, what is? Uh, do you have to be like um, government checked? Do you have to have uh, DRB um, check? Can you go into? A, is it ethically okay to go into someone's house? You know, I, I guess they are the serious questions that people need to ask when there are investigations going on. Uh, I guess me myself, I, I would just, I'm dare to say, almost no. You know, that's the reason I stepped to go start going into people's houses, and, and the reason I did that, I, I had a friend who was over in Atlanta. And um, what happened is that uh, her and her group went to went to a house, and they got attacked. The, the, the guy who was in there didn't um, appreciate what they were saying. They didn't believe there was anything there of any kind. And the guy was absolutely adamant there was, and she kind of lunged at them with a fist. And I was like, man, that's put people don't realize they put themselves in these very vulnerable positions. Or if you've got a person who has a mental health issue there, if you have a person who needs psychological help, if you have a family who's got a young child there and they don't agree with what's being said, could they equally just say, well, I know he touched the children? Yeah, you know, I think people put themselves into this very vulnerable position when they go into a house. They don't really know it, but they're all going in there, kind of wide-eyed, starry-eyed, like ghost hunters, whatever, hoping to find a ghost. And it's like, my God, have you, you not realised what you potentially the vulnerable position you guys are putting yourselves in? Hey, that's a double-edged sword, though, because uh, the homeowner was the same way. He doesn't know who the hell he's letting in. Yeah, I guess that, 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 that's equally right. Yeah. One of the big, I mean, this whole thing is is fraught with problems, and we've tried we've tried to discuss it um, back and forth over the years, but the powers that be haven't been you know, that forthcoming when it comes to answering these critical questions. Um, you know, there there are more problems. The major problems lie in the ethics, but there is a code of ethics included in this professional accreditation. But right. um, yes. but. but not that withstanding, there are no scientific standards, which is odd for a group that is called the Association for the Scientific Study of Anomalous Phenomena. Moreover, um, we don't know how these regulations are ever to be imposed or applied or, or even which government department recognises these accreditations. And in fact, I have a, p- a problem with the basic titling, which is, you know, you're giving people an accredited badge. You know, you're allowing them to run around telling everybody, I'm a professional paranormal investigator. As that, I th- you know, I think this is, this is you know, the, the thin end of a very, uh, very dangerous wedge. Mm, very strange. So, so anyway, so Christian, get away from AppSap for a minute. Um, no. Because I, I know you're not on, <laughs> not on here too long. Um, I want to know more about you. I mean, what, what makes you tick? What, is, what, is, what really interests you? I mean, you, you mentioned a broad uh, thing. I mean, is there one particular thing that's interesting? Like, you know, just before you came on, while you were trying to get on, I talked about how I was always intrigued by the Shroud of Turin. Is there something like that that intrigues you? Yeah, I guess the Shroud of Turin, I, I guess I know of it and I know the story of it, but don't know the details, you know, to you know, give a, a lecture, perhaps not. But I, I think the topic is really interesting. Um, 
Well, I guess I, I kind of do like a broad spectrum of stuff. I think if I was stuck into just one corner, or perhaps I wouldn't say I would get bored, but I'd be would I burn myself out too quickly, perhaps. Um, so I guess I've kind of covered. Uh, I said when I was a kid, uh, I was at school, and uh, you know I only wish teachers were like this. On a, on a Friday afternoon, I had a teacher called Miss Jewett and Miss Green, and they would uh, they would give a debate to the the, the children in the class, and then we'd always bring a kind of paranormal topic in, and I would allow people to discuss it. And it was things like the Bermuda Triangle, the Mary Celeste they would talk about. Cool. And you know, it really opened my mind. And I was only like seven and eight years old. And I think if perhaps that hadn't have happened, I wouldn't have the interest that I do now. Because it allowed uh, the children to kind of, after they told us the story or, the, or watched the little video, as it were, um, we would go in our own groups and discuss it and bring back and have a, a discussion about it as, 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 a, as a class. You know, I only wish teachers had, like, the, uh, you know, the, I guess, the ability to do that these days. So, so I guess from there I learned, you know, uh, to look at things in a very broad stroke. Uh, what makes me tick now, I guess, is uh, is occultism, is uh, the esoteric, and uh, I've, I've taken an interest in uh, the AASRA, which is the uh, a membership that I'm a member of, which is the Ancient Astronaut and SETI Research Association uh, of Legendary Times, which is uh, Giorgio Tolucas's uh, Ancient Aliens stuff. Um, I'm interested to look at their science journals of late. Uh, it's kind of taken my interest over the last couple of years, um, but yeah, I, I kind of I still like the ghost stuff. I still like the uh, the, uh, the paranormal stuff, and I still like the discussion of it. Um, there was quite a few talks that I really enjoyed uh, at the conference, really, uh, regards to some of those aspects that kind of kind of picked apart um, the, the kind of psychological point of view of ghosts and how people perceive them. Um, Anthony Peake's topic was quite interesting about opening the doors to perception. It did get a bit bit wooky out there, I think, in some points, but it was interesting. Um, yeah, I, I guess I do have a, a broad ticking box, as it were. So with this broad broad look of the, the paranormal, do you find that you have, uh, you know, people using the same theories and the same evidence for different total genres of the paranormal? Like, you know, if, well, uh, you know, if there's a... They might take some evidence as a paranormal, as a UFO incident, but it, it, and someone else might look at that as a, a time slip or a... Okay, or that's, a, that's, that's, that's good. I, I get where you're coming from. That's, that's really yeah. good. Um, in fact, uh, just tying it back to the weekend's uh, talks, really, there, there was a talk there where someone said that. Um, there was a person who was talking about sleep paralysis mm -hmm. and uh, how they were, uh, what would often be seen in, in that experience. Uh, is these little figures who are about four foot tall who had kind of a you know almond eyes and were, and were quite small with big heads. Um, mm -hmm. Obviously, a lot of people would associate that not of being of, of a dream scenario, of that of being aliens, the greys, and so on. Um, so that there is is that is there a cross culture uh, with that, or are those two things the same thing, or are they separate? But they've exactly uh, it's depending yeah. how you look at them. Yeah, that's right. You, you can look at the same thing from two different perspectives. Uh, I, I guess there there is. Um, there's, there's social culture, isn't there? You know, how obviously most people have grown up like with the like, so the X Files, or even Buffy, and modern TV, and they of course have had a huge influence on people. And people, uh, I guess, would want things to be related to what their beliefs are. So, to, uh, so I could use the example of if I believed only in aliens, would I believe then in everything that paranormal is to do with aliens? Well, right. I guess I, I would rather not say that. I would rather look at more evidence and data about that and go, well, could it be? And just. I wouldn't say I want to put the seed of doubt in that person's mind, but unless that person is looking at it and going, well, actually, it might not be this. <laughs> mm -hmm. 
Chris, how, how difficult do you, do you find it to change somebody's mindset when they have a, a sort of fixed belief and an idea um, relating to their experiences or, 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 or just, you know, what they believe in? And you come along and perhaps offer them a different alternative. I guess you can just present the alternative. I guess it's down to the individual if they wish to take that information on board. But you, I guess you could present some examples and say, well, actually, I, I guess like um, you're talking about the Strand of Turin, some people have different um, opinions on what that is. Some people say it was obviously the, 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 uh, the death veil of Jesus. Some scientists say it was a UV light coming through a, a crack in the wall. Uh, some would say it was a fantastic light that, that uh, bleached the light and then it, it, it's... Uh, um, has, what's what? Put the put the face on the uh, the shroud. And I guess they're all different interpretations of what the same thing could be. But I guess unless you offer the alternative of what it could be, they're only left with what their perception is. Um, I don't know. How, how do you how do you the question? I guess all you can really do is say, well, maybe it's this instead. Uh, and then really, it's it's up to the the eye of the beholder, really. Yeah. Do you find them? Do you find that people are generally amenable, or are they quite closed to alternative suggestions? I, it's I, generally in my experience. Like I can't say I speak for everyone. I mean, in my experience, it, they've been usually quite amicable, really. And they've gone, "Oh, I didn't realise it was this," and uh, "I didn't, I didn't realise that possibility was the case." And they're like, "Oh, okay. Oh, I'll relook at this again." But uh, I went to a, uh, a conference a few months ago, to the AV7 conference hosted by Ian Crane, and there was a lot of people there who were very much of the. Uh, the conspiratorial alt um, experts, a lot of them were kind of had a view that the whole world was being run by the Illuminati, by aliens and stuff, and you know, people living it within the earth. And it's just like, you know, I was bombarded by messages that were so I kind of reinforced by uh, the stuff that they were reading, and then they would read more what was also unprovable, which was also unprovable. And they kind of backed each other up to the point where it just felt like you were talking to a wall, and there was yeah. nothing you could say or get through that actually made any sense, and that they did just they get lost in their own um, in their own rabbit hole. Yeah, I'm 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 curious because one of the uh, uh, um, curious to get your your opinion because one of the things I've noticed certainly in the last twelve months seems to be increasing at an exponential rate uh, is a belief in the flat Earth. What's your yeah. take on this new idea? <laughs> it's, it's, it's it's good, isn't it? Um, I guess it's yeah, it's come right out of the left field. <laughs> yeah. I can remember watching like Neil deGrasse Tyson's response to it, you know, where the mic drop and talking about gravity, and I was like, "Oh, that's so good." But uh, now <laughs> I, I, I guess um, obviously there was that rapper, wasn't it? He was the he was the one who cursed, I wouldn't say he first made it, but he, he was the one who made it go more viral. So I could I'm not sure what he was looking at prior to that. Um, but no, I, I've, I've read a lot of the uh, the flat Earth stuff um, over the years, and they talk about the fact that the one key point they say is that no one has ever flown over Antarctica <laughs> and um, well I don't know if that's actually true I mean I, I don't know if you heard that there was a radio show called um, The Righteous Indignation with um, yeah. with Tristan and, and Haley, and they had, a, they had a, uh, someone on there of the Flat Earth Society and they were a bit like quite surprised to hear how logical his answers were and I can remember them talking about it afterwards. Going, actually, he made some really good points. It might actually not be the case. <laughs> but, <laughs> I remember. I mean, one of the key arguments is that, of course, that there are no direct services, uh, aircraft, uh, flight services between, say, South Africa and South America. Um, however, uh, a look on one of these flight trackers will show you that there are many, many aircraft crossing the Southern Oceans on a daily basis. Uh, uh, but, but non, but nonetheless, if you look at their videos and look at the the, the, the the articles that they put forward, 
to a lay person, it is actually quite compelling because they point out that, in actual fact, there is no uh, image existing of the Earth from space, um, apart from, obviously, the lunar one. But the one that, you know, we're all used to on the NASA website is actually a composite. It's a stitch together. It has to be because, you know, the orbiting satellites can't get that level of detail. And so they point out that... And it, it it makes a good case. And... Yeah, but I guess if you start, you, okay, you then you look at, look at the physics and kind of I, and the way I'm looking at it, if the if the world is a flat disk, um, obviously surrounded by a circle of ice and ice walls that are impenetrable and you can't go over. If you started digging down, would you fall downwards? Uh, what will, if you if we are constantly going upwards in space in order to create our gravity effect? Because they say that uh, the weight on the on the disk, obviously, it's because the Earth is perpetually falling upwards in space. Um, and the argument is, well, the stars are, uh, obviously, they're moving around the galaxy and they're moving around Milky Way. And Milky Way is rotating, which we've all got measurements of it actually happening. Um, so how does that work? We, we can see the other planets in the sky, and they clearly are spherical, and they're moving and rotating. They're not holograms put up there by the government. They've existed long there in antiquity. Oh, it depends so, which website you've been looking at. Some of them say that the whole lot have projected up onto, these, up onto a glass dome. Um, uh-huh. But the best one I've heard so far is that all of the aliens are on the other side of the disc, underneath. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> Which, I mean, you've got uh, sitting there thinking it's about creative. it you know, in a moment of... It's very, very creative. And you think, that's... that's uh, they are, yeah, absolutely creative. Uh, so on the other side of the disc, what's the temperature there? Is, is it hotter or is it colder? <laughs> are they, are they, would they Just fall down, down if, if, if is, we're perpetually yeah, going up? How, how do they yeah. stay on? <laughs> well, I mean, they point out this idea of like the the Earth being a dinner plate. Well, of course, if we're being held down by gravity, gravity must be operating in the same manner the other side of the plate. So they're all falling off or using magnetic boots or something. Oh, yeah, no, maybe, maybe maybe this they're, drag, they're... maybe this drag, and you know, it's magnetic drag. It's pushing them up. Uh, like well, wind, wind stream as you go a plane going you in a you car, know, the, a truck. It you, started. You get, it started just a few years ago with one or two, um, you know, they were quite fringe uh, claims and sites, but it's absolutely spiraled. I think it's illustrative of people's belief, the, the, the culture of belief, because people accept with, almost without question uh, these ideas that they're seeing on YouTube and on social media, uh, and they are being presented in a, in a plausible manner. Well, that's it. You know, if, if it's if it's in a documentary sense or it's put across in a in, in, a, in, a, in a competent way like the news, people go, "Oh, this must be true." Mm-hmm. So look, this, at, look, remember the mermaid because... mockumentary? Oh yeah, absolutely. All, yeah. yeah, a lot of people went all very well that. done. <laughs> yeah, or indeed the, the the I mean another one that that spiraled out of control was the um, oh was it the what was the big the big shark? Is it megalodon? Yes, yes. Uh, I mean, people. Discovery Channel mocked up uh, some photographs for a spoof documentary relating to the Megalodon. Um, they used some, um, superimposed some stuff over a German U-boat. Mm-hmm. Within a couple of days, it was being circulated on social media as fact, as a fact, as factual We're evidence. We're actually coming Megalodon. up to the break now. Uh, Kristen, are you leaving us? No, no, I'm going to stay with you a little while longer. It's okay. I don't. I, basically, I, where I work, I don't have to be until about ten. They so I can go in uh, as late as I want tonight, so it's fine. So uh, yeah, I'll stay with you guys. 
Okay. So, anyways, uh, we have to take a break right now. You're listening to Ghost Chronicles International with Steve Foss and Ron Colton, our special guest, Kristen Lander. And we'll be right back after the following message right here on Tojinet Pararex, Planet Paranormal, wherever else we are. Hey, listen, high atop of Nuns Hill in Groveland stands the Chapel of the Little Missionary Sisters of Charity in Vesey Memorial Park. This serene scene will be the location for one of the most extraordinary events ever to be held. For three days and two nights, these sacred grounds will host the realm of Dan Brown's best-selling novels, Angels and Demons, and The Da Vinci Code. As part of the event, like in the novels, you'll become a symbologist and follow a set of clues on your own quest to find a missing relic. And there's so much more. Costume dining with the dead, a conclave, a Da Vinci ghost hunt, red light seance, workshops and presentations, a papal death mask, a replica of the Shroud of Turin, and speakers like Keith Johnson from Ghost Hunters, Steve Parsons from the UK, psychic artist Nancy Smith, and Ron Kolick from Ghost Chronicles, and many others. Go to NewEnglandGhostProject.com, that's N-E-GhostProject.com, or CirclesOfWisdom.com for more information and to purchase tickets. Or call 978-455-6678. Welcome to Tolkienet, radio with a cutting edge. Feel the need to do some soul searching or make some changes in your life to create a more positive future? Then Circles of Wisdom is just the place for you. Circles of Wisdom is a metaphysical bookstore and more, located on Route 28 in downtown Andover, Massachusetts. We carry a large selection of books and music, crystals and gemstones, jewelry and gifts, sage, aromatherapy, and so much more, all in a relaxing and welcoming atmosphere. We offer classes on a variety of topics like yoga, Reiki, psychic development, alternative healing, and personal transformation. For guidance on this journey we call life, get a reading from one of our many readers at Circles of Wisdom, 90 Main Street in downtown Andover, right next to Bertucci's. Call us at 978-474-8010 or check us out on the web at www.circlesofwisdom.com. Lots to see and do in a feel-good place, an oasis in this hectic world. Music and the typing and Ron's humming disappear into the background. It's my key <laughs> to welcome us back into part two of Ghost Bob Bob Bob, Bob Ghost Chronicles. Bum, bum, bum. Bum, bum. There you go. The next generation. Hey, and we thought- do that. Wait a minute. Can we do oh. that in archipelago? Archipelago. Yeah, we had to do that sometime. We don't yeah, see. we'll do that in a series of small islands lying off the coast. There you go. <laughs> Move right anyway, along. Moving right along and. Some news. I've had another letter from Peter Popoff. 
go away. Yeah, this week uh, okay. I have received I have received my next instalment of blessings from. I can feel the healing energy through the, the I know. headset. I really can. I mean, I'm, to, re- I'm, to recap, several months ago, um, I emailed uh, a prayer request to the Peter, Peter Popoff Ministries. Uh, Google it. You'll find the details. And have been um, bombarded on a weekly, sometimes twice weekly basis ever since. Um, and bestowed upon me have been gifts. Gifts ranging from holy water... Um, bits, bits, of pla- bits of plastic, um, bits of fuzzy felt in the, cut into the shape of jumpers, and oh. yeah, uh, sweaters for Americans, um, all of which are accompanied by an envelope and, and for me to put my um, my donation to the ministry in. Twenty nine pounds. Yeah, this week I got a paper serviette. A what? I got a paper serviette. What the hell was that? Uh, um, a tissue? Napkin. Paper tissue? Napkin. napkin? Yeah. Oh, a napkin. Oh. Yeah. Two nations separated. Does it have, wait a minute. Does it have a, fi- a, pr- a face in it? It will have. Um, <laughs> it, it has... Uh, you, you, the maybe, idea that's, is, maybe that's a holy napkin. I didn't think of it that way. Maybe, you know, Peter Popoff himself... Put it on his own face. No, 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 no. That's not how it works at all. No, the instructions no. are quite clear. What what I have to do is I have to think about the things that I want I want God to provide me, and then as I hold this napkin in my hands, mm-hmm. um, and then I mail it back with my with my check, mm-hmm. um, and God does miraculous things for me. That's wow, sweet. that's great. Yeah, you could always steal it and then get forgiveness, I guess. But. Well, I've got lo- I, I'm, I think I'm up to about. Oh, I've got a whole folder full of them now. Um, That's lovely. But I mean, this guy has been sued, sick. sued several times. Um, but if you want your own miracle water, for which Peter Popoff Ministries is famous, and you too want to be bombarded with gifts Rap. from God. Gifts from God. Just go to the. Uh, just Google the Peter Popoff Ministries you and show. You Email. Know, it would we, be couldn't an afford, we couldn't afford him. <laughs> it would be a lightning conversation. It would be. Uh, I think the lawyers at Toginet might might be able to, uh, might might deal as a death blow on this one. But um, yeah, we just couldn't afford him. Uh, but you two just email him a prayer request and watch the mailbox. That's the crap. I mean, the the miracle stuff come. The best one. We the best one so far. I think is a three D computer printed um, horn of Jericho. Oh, that's which nice. is about two inches long, and you're supposed to, and you get a piece of red cord. Um, oh, I know. Uh, yeah. So. so I mean, so I know this, right after the show that Christian <laughs> will be uh, signing up for that. <laughs> oh, I think definitely, probably, definitely. There's a lot of typing going on during that. Before I think maybe he already has. So I mean, the world does seem to be full of crazy people. We have got flat Earth society. We have got you know people who. Wait a minute! Wait a minute! Wait a minute! That's your that's your opinion. Send money. I know. They think they're perfectly send, sane. Well, I was gonna I was gonna add in psychics, but I I decided, <laughs> I decided you know. No, there's nothing wrong with psychics. That leave them to their own. Better not. Leave them. You know, to you, know I, you know, I run a psychic ministry now, so you have to uh, be respectful. Well, I, I, I'm not sure. I, I, I'm wondering, Chris. At, at any point, yes. have you ever? Because 
I am an ordained minister in the United Church. The Amen. United God bless you. Church of Modesto. Um, have you ever been? Have you ever been tempted by one of these online ministries to? You know? I no, but I, t- I tell you what, I did do. I actually did join the. Um, well, I did attend for about uh, about eighteen months actually at an SNU spiritualist church. Actually, the very first spiritualist church, the one in Nottingham, at Canning really? Circus. Actually, is the, is the oldest one in the country. Yeah, so I thought if anyone's going to be able to teach me how to become psychic and mediumship, they were going to be the ones. Um, no. <laughs> but, <laughs> well, wait a minute. That, this is interesting. Go ahead. But that being said, though, I, there was a couple of strange experiences that actually I did think were really interesting. Um, it was like a Monday night, 7 o'clock kind of thing. And there generally, was, generally there was always about 30 people. And what was it really interesting, this room that we used to go in, um, obviously, no, they, they, is the, um, they would have like a guest uh, medium psychic would come on a weekly basis, we have a guest speaker, and they would kind of have a bit of a routine. Kind of fun and they time. would do media. They do a mediumship training, as it were, and they had they had a few of the classes started. We I generally only attended this one. Um, there was one particular one. It was not long after I first started. The guy who was the uh, the kind of organizer was a guy called Alex. Um, and I've told the story quite a few times actually. Is that um, he on one week he invited everyone to take an envelope home, uh, put in a picture or a photograph, um, seal it, and bring it back, and then they'll shuffle them up and I'll just hand them out, and then everyone could do um, you know kind of. Could, could they get anything from the picture within the envelope by touching it? I using. Oh, um, that's a cool. Jethro was an interesting idea. You know, if yeah. they're willing, they're willing to actually do that as opposed to a. Uh, I'm just going to give you give you a reading. They actually are trying to teach people how to develop their psychic abilities. Mm-hmm. Now, um, obviously, he would packed a few others for the people who the following week obviously didn't come or didn't come the previous week, and they had a whole bunch of envelopes in a big tray. He had. They stirred this tray up, and obviously he added his own into there into this mix. And at the break of this particular night. Um, the tray actually—he had it on a chair, and the tray dropped on the floor, oh. and then so, so obviously they all got mixed up, right? So I was yeah. like, I was just sat there watching this, and then he was talking to this lady, going, "Oh, there's a picture I really wanted to show you, actually," and uh, and then he obviously he he put his hand over them, and he sensed the one that actually was the one that he put in, and then go out to read it, and I was like, that's really interesting because he clearly found the one that he intentionally put in there and found, mm. uh, even, despite the fact all the envelopes were actually the same. Uh, or and they're all mixed up on the floor. Well, it appeared or to be. Appeared I guess to be the same. Oh, you are right. It does appear to be. I, see, I, I wasn't like right in the box. I didn't have a just chance pick to pick the one with the magnetic thread in it. That's all. So that you can <laughs> just yeah. ding, 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 ding. I got it. Anyway, yeah, well, I thought you're, that was you're just being a spoil sport again, Ron. Stop it. People want to believe in this stuff. I believe in this stuff. You know that. I, I'm going out and saving the whole world. You've seen me do this stuff. You see me conduct red light sales. Well, you will when you come over. Well, I will. Yes. You'll yeah. see me. You'll see me I raise quest- the dead. Questions will be asked on the porch. But uh, it, Christian reminds me of one of. I mean, I've I've also I mean I visited the the spiritualist churches. Yes. And- because I, if you're going to study a phenomena, then I, you know, you have you to have go to, to get the source. It. Hallelujah, brother. You know what? Nobody would ever say that in any paranormal group, especially if you no, went back ten, 10 years ago and you said, like, oh, yeah, I, I, we use a medium. So, oh, my God. Oh, what a bunch of assholes you are. Uh, use mediums. <laughs> Have you ever tried it? Oh, no, no. They're idiots. I can tell. You know, it's, I mean, you can't, if you're going to criticize, at least try to understand it and try to explore it. I forgot what I was going to say now. I know. I'm, I'm really going now. <laughs> Get <a> out. <laughs> anyway, I, I uh, think 
you, you have to you have to study the study the, the 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 phenomena. You have to, and your best chance of of understanding mediumship is to is to go along and participate. It's not yes, to stand exactly. sideline. It's not to stand back and criticise. It's to get involved and to participate, hands on. And try to fully understand, and that's one of the reasons. I mean, that's that's the basic tenet of, of, of investigating is to try is, to yeah. understand the experiences that other people are having. However, um, at the most recent spiritualist church I attend, I saw one of the most miraculous get-out escapes I've ever seen by a by a, uh, a practicing medium. Um, they. The, the, they're all pretty much the same. The audience were assembled. The, the medium took to the, the podium and started to do the reading mm-hmm. and said at the outset, pointed to a lady who was sitting directly in front of me and said, You, madam. You, madam. I don't need to see them. They, I don't need to um, see that the, the, the walking stick that you're holding, um, you know, they're, they're telling me that... that You'll you'll be cured, and that your leg will get better. Hallelujah, Hallelujah, and which, praise the Lord. At which the lady replied, "No, that's not my walking stick. It's my friend. She's still in the toilet and waiting for it to come back." <laughs> at which the at which the medium said, looked skyward toward the ceiling and said, "Thank you, thank you so much for that. You see, friends, as in life." In death, they have a sense of humour, yes, and they like that. and they like to keep me grounded by sometimes having a joke at my expense. Isn't that he then, oh. he then <laughs> went on. He then went on with the same lady, having got extricated himself once. He then dug himself another hole by it. saying, by saying, um, I can see a small black and white dog walking up the aisle of the church towards you. Um, and sitting at your feet, does this mean anything to you? And the lady turned and she said, oh, no, completely allergic to dogs. All of my family, we would never have dogs in our house. Even as children, we've never had dogs. And again, he looked skywards and he said, this they are sending as proof. Because the next time you go to... You have been healed. No, the next time you go to a medium and you have doubt, they will send you the little white dog because that will be significant to you to let them, to let you know that they're with you. Wow, that's so special. Don. Wasn't that a fabulous one? I was was so impressed. Yeah, but I was so impressed. (laughs) So, uh, you, you talked, uh, Christian. You talked about that incident in the spiritualist church. And uh, w- w- did they do any uh, physical mediumship there, or was it all? Uh, uh, me- you know, it, it, it's, it, they, it was all mental mediumship. I have to say that I did attend a, a physical mediumship circle um, for, for around a year, actually. Um, You're a and good the man. guy. I did. So I, I've actually I've, I've recorded every one of the episodes as well. What we did in that session. Mm-hmm. Um, I won't tell you the, the guy who was the medium's name because when we held the circle, it was a kind of circle in private that I was uh, okay. invited to go to. So that's, that's but um, I can say this: he used to, he actually uh, the guy who was the medium, the, the physical mediumship. He was a um, uh, he worked at Rolls Royce. He was an engineer, so he was very scientifically minded in his own set. Anyway, mm-hmm. um, 
in his in his dark room, uh, he had uh, a lux meter set up, so he was measuring uh, changes in light that was in there, even though it was in complete darkness. He always had a mini disc there that was set up, and he had um, always like different sound recorders in different corners of the room. And he also had like the typical kind of trumpets. But on these trumpets, what he did, he'd put um, kind of glow in the dark squares that you would kind of get like, yeah. uh, and he obviously would pattern them onto the uh, the cones um, that were made of all different materials. Uh, yeah, one was made of wood, one was made of metal, one was aluminium, one was heavier. And uh, he would obviously put them into different rooms, so you could always kind of tell the perspective of the room where you're sitting. Um, and that was really interesting, the way he did that. And there was generally there was generally five of us who were in this um, in this circle. There was, um, there was, besides the medium, there was his kind of main controller guy. There was a guy I've got an interview with on my uh, YouTube channel called uh, Alex, Alex McKillish, and uh, he's an interesting guy. He was the, uh, he was the controller of the room. There was myself and uh, two others, and well, sometimes three. And uh, uh, most times, I would say, uh, nothing much happened. There was interesting voices coming through, but again, uh, the skeptical mind makes you go, well, anyone can put a voice in if they put a, like a sore throat or they try to put a... Um, if you squeeze your throat, you can make different sounds come through. Mm-hmm. What was really interesting is the people who were coming through who were um, through the medium, uh, one was a particular... Um, scientists, actually. Yeah, a lot of scientists would come through, um, which I, th- I found was really interesting. And I've still got all the sound recordings of these, um, all the ones that I attended. Um, one was a particular scientist who worked in, in Brazil, um, whose name we, we never managed to discern until the very last one. His name was uh, Dr. Um, I think his name was Raj Inja, and he was, he apparently he said he died in 1958, and he was studying radiation and uh, the effects on uh, the human body of it, and we we couldn't find any record of him. And then about three years later, um, after the circle closed, this was like 2009. Um, I happened to find an article, um, and actually it was apparently he was a, a laboratory assistant at a place in Rio de Janeiro, actually researching um, effects of radiation on people. Because there's some of the other scientists who came through, your general more notable ones. But I was very skeptical of that because they never really could specify any formula or anything interesting. But that particular guy I did find was um, quite a unique character because he would come through very frequently and uh, always have something interesting to say about how to rechange the experiment in the room um, to make it um, more viable, to, to put things in different places and to have hmm. um, run different lights. And he, it was kind of like the scientist through the medium is the one telling how to, how to reset the room up so they could test things such as different sounds and different lights and uh, they were going to try things uh, themselves to try and communicate through like in a very physical way um, I found it really interesting I, and I wrote uh, a magazine called Beyond the Line in issue 4 I wrote a really detailed uh, breakdown of what happened in the first um, few uh, sessions we had there Did it change your uh, opinions or perspective um, on it? I would say uh, I would say yes and no. I'm still almost in two minds on whether it actually happened or whether it didn't happen. There was certainly cases where I was a bit like this. There's nothing really happening here. Um, of course, we were always told to sit still and we couldn't move ourselves. And I was very tempted just to wave my arms around and see if anyone was floating about, kind of thing. <laughs> but I guess it was it was he was very afraid of the Helen Duncan scenario, um, where allegedly that the, the police burst in and uh, she got very ill because all the ectoplasm was outside the body. He, he was very concerned about that, that actually happening to him. Um, hmm. That, you know, if someone was to move, it might damage him or hurt him. Um, and he, he would make 
be like to talk about that all the time that, that he was very worried about getting hurt physically because it really drains a lot out of him and he, before uh, a session happened he actually would go down for a, a lay down and he'd always take like an extra water and he would have like uh, some calcium thing as well because that's that's one thing they took very often from him it would, they would it would always feel like they took he would need to have calcium and iron um, in a, a kind of a what do you call it supplements beforehand because uh, that's he claimed that that's what they'd always take from him and I, I could never work out what that really what really meant and he would always be really really tired afterwards right. um, I mean that was in, I was in like Derby and uh, he would he would be really exhausted after a session where generally technically you're sitting down for around an hour hour and a half so but he was physically exhausted every time that's interesting yeah, I find that whole physical mediumship thing extremely interesting and he did the one thing he did speak about he said that there was he always wanted to be like a particular uh, a physical medium that he kind of aspired to be. Now, this uh -huh. guy's name was Stuart Alexander. He's a guy I've never been able to track down um, in terms of any communication. Apparently, he was in his 80s at that time. So we're talking 2009. This kind of was in his 80s at that time. This guy was like a physical medium who would kind of hold private circles, but kind of touring um, group to group. And he would always talk about this guy and how good he was and how this person could levitate in a room. And this particular time that he would speak about often when he saw him he said it was in a church hall where oh, which is quite interesting um and they'd have like um the beams in the roof so he kind of had a, a triangle roof and he would describe how these how was these beams would kind of suspend the roof and he said that he personally saw Stuart float up and actually float through these and then through the room itself do you know i um, when you said Stuart alexander i've got something I, i'm I've crossed the room now to the bookshelf because I got something somewhere that relates to several of his seances. Oh, right, uh, okay. But I can't find it um, immediately. Um, but, yeah, the guy uh, was... He was quite acclaimed, as you say, back through the sort of 50s, 60s, 70s. Um, That's right. And, and was a renowned me uh, materialist medium. However... He was he, he he didn't get tested, but he he did, as you say, run his own private circle, and yeah. I'm I'm talking the hope that my I will, he will guide me to the relevant. Prater Prater Pop off. Yeah, right. yeah, but yeah, I'm being distracted by Peter Popoff, so I don't think it's gonna. <laughs> and, a, and a large box of Ghostbuster Twinkies. So, oh, yeah, tw Ghostbuster Twinkies. How yeah. big is that Twinkie? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, he always yeah. spoke about how uh, he obviously he was there when he watched a number of uh, his performances, as it were. Right. But they're always kind of done on like uh, under secret. They would be arranged by uh, only to communicated to other circles, apparently. Well, the mm -hmm. way that he described those people were invited is that they would yeah. get the message through the uh, through spirit, you know, to go along to a certain place, and that's why ha he happened to be hosting it. But Material yeah. materializing medium or materializer materialization mediumship is actually incredibly rare and has gone very much underground uh, since since the second world war people right. might, might might point the finger at, at helen duncan but i think more rationally uh, the, the idea of going underground could also be uh, ascribed to or blamed on the the idea that we now have capabilities to see and hear um, yeah. and and to detect things that the you know there were nefarious activities taking place in many, many seances. Well, of course, there's obviously you've got extremely low light, so you're always yes. susceptible anyway. Um, yeah. 
they, they could say anything they wanted, really. Um, but but, but uh, nonetheless, we do have, you know, we do have good, reliable accounts of some seances where extraordinary things took place um, yes. in the presence of competent investigators who ought to have detected any form of fraud and yet they they you know they they came out afterwards and said we find that this person has uh, been rigorously tested and has withstood that that testing so it would be wrong of us to dismiss it just you know on the basis that 95% of them are shonky hoaxes yeah, I mean, the, the guess the the two things that kind of came out of the physical mediumship circles that I attended, um, one particular one there was always a, it always felt like the room changed space. And I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm not quite sure how to really describe what that means, but um, it the spatial uh, awareness of the room seemed to change when you were in that kind of a, they were in the trance experience and before someone came forward or when they did, mm-hmm. and sometimes they did a bit of table tilting afterwards. The spatial awareness of the room changed often. You know, you, you these um, cones, these trumpets, is whatever they're called. I, I was very much aware. I saw them bend. You know, I, I there was one particular one. It was it was wooden. It was a proper like wooden cone, and it had like um, these uh, glow in the dark bits on like the north, south, east, west, at the bottom, the middle, and the top. And I watched this thing that I know I've held in my hand that was wooden. I watched that bend over. You know, um, and. and hmm. That I, don't, I can never understand how that happens. And they would, they would always talk about so the scientists that came through, but they were talking about that what they were trying to do was to bend space, because that's how you link to the other side. Mm-hmm. Um, and there was one particular time where um, there was only three of us actually in the circle. Uh, there was just the controller, uh, the medium, and myself. And on this particular occasion, um, I heard always talk about you know the ectoplasmic... Um, that would come from his body, and he said it would come from his pores of his skin. Um, and, you know, I, I generally had never seen, never felt, and I was very much like I should move my feet or I should wave my hands and try and see if I can find anything, and just kind of, just because, you know, because you have to, right? And there was this one particular time, I, I would swear that I felt there was a smell in the room that was, like, it was like sulfur, and it, um, it kind of went across my feet, across my leg, and it felt very much like wet cotton wool. And you know, and it kind of retracted. And I was just like, okay, what the hell's that? <laughs> <laughs> well, we we are coming towards the end of our hour. That's so, pretty amazing, um, though. I, I, that's intriguing. You actually felt something. Yeah, I did. Yeah, it generally just felt like a really damp, wet cotton wool. It was warm. There was a, there was a, a musky kind of sulfury smell. Um, and when he said it retracted, of course, you know, a little bit about. 15 minutes later or whatever, you know. There was certainly nothing wet anyway. You know, I was very much keen to watch and look around. You, you know, like, most of the, the photographs of ectoplasm, especially taken by, uh, what was his name, Phillips, uh, the guy in Ontario. But anyways, they're always uh, seen as, as wet, as cotton or a gauze. And that's that's kind of intriguing that, you know, you would have the same... Uh, yeah. Now, the, the only thing I want to ask you, and I know we are getting very close to the end, is that uh, when you were in this room, can you give us a you know a brief description of you know how close were you to the medium? How okay? How, so was um, it? he uh, basically had his room. It was around about twelve foot square. It was like an upper bedroom. It was blacked out curtains and stuff. So it was blacked out windows, and then mm-hmm. he had, had heavy curtains. He had a lux meter, obviously, in the room behind, obviously going through to a hole in the wall, along with his sound and his microphones that were like that, too. Um, the medium was in the in one corner with... Uh, was in this... Okay. 
<laughs> yeah, that's was, uh, that's the doorbell which means pizza from the dead is here, and we're just about out of time. Go ahead, continue. Okay, no worries. So, um, so he was in this particular corner. We were on a, I'd say we were maybe three feet away. The controller was next to him on his right. Uh, I would generally be next to him on his right, and so in the five of us, we could the controller all the way to the guy on the far right. We could all reach and hold hands together. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, when the medium came out of seance, when he came out of his um, uh, trance, as it were, he would have to bring his chair forward some way to re- to join that circle. So I would say, in terms of our distance to the medium, we're talking maybe three to four feet. Hmm. Interesting. But it was totally black. You, you, absolutely. I mean, black, yeah. you, 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 even with your night vision, yes. you still, still couldn't see anything. No, I, I still couldn't see anything though, no, because the room was literally it was utterly blacked out in every way. He had like, um, even around the door frame, of course, there was uh, he secured that off too uh, with like draft excluders and stuff. Uh-huh. And there was a curtain actually went over the door, over the actual door to come in. So uh, once the chairs were set up in the center of the of this, in the corner of this room, uh, I was completely and utterly black. <laughs> Then obviously he would have. Uh, once the seance was done, he would obviously would turn up a, a, a light as it were, which was red lights that were mounted on the walls, and mm-hmm. uh, bring the uh, the light level up. Still with us, Steve? Yeah, I was going to ask Chris. Um, Thirty seconds. Yeah. To uh, how do people um, catch you? Catch up with you? Okay. Find out what you're doing? Uh, okay. Read the read your output. Okay, uh, christianlander.com is probably the best, best way you can get in contact with me. It's my website. covers lots of different things on there, not just the paranormal, but most of my blog and videos. I'm a, I'm a photographer and a filmographer as well, so you can see all my stuff on there. Uh, you can, uh, yeah, Christian Lander, uh, you can find me on Twitter at Define Christian. Oh, thank you very much. Thanks for joining the show. Interesting conversation. Uh, I, you know, we'll have to get you back on again sometime. We can love to. talk love to. talk so many other things. I mean, we go a different direction totally. So uh, that's okay. what it is. So anyways, this is a tune, so we had to go. Thank you, Christian, very much. Cheers, Chris. Thank you. One more week, and uh, you'll be over here, Mr. Pop. Yeah. Sit, sit yeah. right next to me. Yeah. Uh, well, no, next week's show will still be from the U.K., and the following day I'll be on the plane. Yeah. Lucky me. So anyways, we want to thank everyone for listening, and... Uh, See you next time. Good night. God bless. From goalies to ghosties, long-leggedy beasties, and things that go bump in the night. Deliver us, good Lord.